It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to monday.com. Do you want a bra that's sexy or a bra that's comfortable? Thanks to Third Love, you can have both. Third Love was started to take all the frustration, ick, and ugh out of bra shopping. That's why they make solutions for every bra problem, aka problems. Their bras make it easy to bring back perkiness you haven't seen since high school, get smoothing you know where, and have straps that actually stay put. Designed at their headquarters in San Francisco and made from premium materials, they put every style through hours of wear testing on real women, including themselves, before it's given the stamp of boob approval. Comfort and support are guaranteed. Plus, whether you're a double A cup or an H cup, their virtual fitting room will help you find your perfect fit fast. And they've even invented half cups. No more feeling stuck between two cup sizes that don't fit right. It's time to get your problems solved. Visit thirdlove.com and get 15% off your order with code PODCAST15. We are special breakfast people here at Pantsu Politics, but not just when Beth and I are on the road. The truth is I want something warm from the oven every Saturday morning and Sunday morning. It's just the truth. It makes it feel special, makes it feel exciting. I don't want to work at it. So the first time I ever saw Wild Grain, which is bake from frozen subscription box for sourdough breads, fresh pastas, and artisanal pastries. I was obsessed. You guys, I've been a member for over a year. It's amazing. It's so easy. Every item bakes from frozen in 25 minutes or less. No thawing required. You can fully customize your Wild Grain box. You can choose any combination of breads, pastas, pastries. You can even build a box of only breads, only pastas, or only pastries if you'd like. And for a limited time, you can get $30 off the first box, plus free croissants in every box when you go to wildgrain.com slash pantsuit to start your subscription. Sometimes I make one single croissant just for me because I want to feel special and they're so good. You heard me. Free croissants in every box and $30 off your first box when you go to wildgrain.com slash pantsuit. That's wildgrain.com slash pantsuit. Or you can use promo code pantsuit at checkout. There's no shortage of controversy to be found in the news this week. We try to bring a little calm to hotly contested debates around third parties, football players, and New Jersey wages. This is Sarah from the left. And Beth from the right. And you're listening to Pantsu Politics. No shouting, no insults, plenty of nuance. Thanks for joining us for another episode of The Briefcase. We have the most exciting news. The Pantsu Politics team is growing. Yay! Yay! So we are adding a new member to the Pantsu Politics team. We're going to put a voice to a name you all have seen probably a lot. You want to introduce yourself? Uh, hey everybody, this is Dante Lima, and uh, I am going to be an official member of the Pantsuit Politics team from here on out, uh, so I guess the, the duo is now becoming a trio. Hooray! Yay! Uh, what did we decide for your official fun title, Dante? 
I think we're going to go with Chief Creative Officer, which is obviously uh, uh, way too high of a t- <laughs> way too high of a title. But um, you know, given that I uh, I work in marketing and I'm a writer and I've kind of worked in the creative industry for a long time, um, I'm going to be helping shape a lot of the content that's going to be coming to the website, um, help plan for episodes, and be an occasional guest. So I guess all of that falls under creative. Yeah, Dante, we, we have this amazing community. He's going to help us channel some of that to the blog, which you've seen the last week. Um, he's going to help us reach out, find new listeners, find sponsorships. So all the stuff that uh, will help Pantsu Politics get bigger and better. He is now officially a seat at the table helping us make that happen. And we are super grateful. I cannot tell you what a relief it is to have someone else thinking through this with us and how fortunate we are to have someone with all this talent. You've already heard Dante's wonderful music um, in our season two episodes. And so now you're going to get a lot more good stuff. So Dante, do you want to talk a little bit about your vision and where you think things are headed, especially with the website? Uh, Sure. Um, You know, first off, obviously, I've, I've been a part of this community for a long time. Uh, probably since the first few episodes. Um, And I guess this is kind of proof that if you uh, incessantly give Beth and Sarah unsolicited ideas that um, maybe one day they'll ask you to be a part of it too. Um, (laughs) But that's kind of the idea is that, you know, we want to make the the website a more inclusive space for all of the um, just unbelievably thoughtful and diverse opinions that kind of come from our Twitter and Facebook conversations. Um, And one of the ways that we're going to do that is uh, by branching out a new part of the site um, called Never Enough Nuance. So the idea is that, you know, beyond the show and past the November election, we're going to really try and, you know, bring these consistent political topics that come to our mind um, to the forefront. And we want uh, y'all to be a part of it. And so we're going to start, um, you know, forming a, an official way to take written submissions. Uh, we're going to be posting uh, more of our impromptu Twitter conversations and Facebook conversations that uh, lead to really thoughtful and, and helpful places um, when talking about issues. So that's going to be one. I'm also starting a weekly column called Chords of Consciousness. As you guys know, I'm a musician. Uh, I used to TA a rock and roll history class when I was a student at UF. So political activism and social activism in music is a, is a really um, important part of my life and, and a big way that I process understanding the world socially and politically. So that's going to be a weekly thing. I'm going to feature artists that deal with political activism, social activism, sexual activism, um, kind of dissect why those songs were relevant or are relevant and just kind of, you know, put my thoughts onto paper um, from one of the, my big passions in life. So that's going to be number two. And then number three, I think we're going to really try and start branching out with different sponsorships, um, try and make the site more of an everyday destination rather than just uh, a vehicle for the podcast and really try and get the community involved to start sharing, growing, and and make this something that we're all a part of. And I think we can do that. You know, we've got the right minds, we've got the right spirit, and now it's just kind of a matter of figuring out the tactical ways of making it happen. 
So we thought a fun way to sort of kick off Dante's uh, presence in the Pansy Politics team would just to be have him sitting here with us for Friday feedback and the briefcase. And one of the things I have to say that I am really excited about, Dante, is the way that you are able to properly use y'all occasionally. <laughs> so we'll expect that to be peppered throughout your comments. <laughs> but speaking of, y'all have given us some really um, interesting things to consider about term limits So Friday feedback, we'll start with Fred's comment. I think, Sarah, you and Fred are on the same page about term limits. Mm -hmm. I thought that. uh, Because he really emphasized the importance of experienced legislators. And the twist that Fred put on this that I thought was uh, worth talking about is that a lot of power will transfer to congressional staffers if we are having a lot of turnover in our representatives. It's so true. I mean, it's it's a it's a job. It's a career. It's a learning curve figuring out what to do and how to do it. And yeah, me and Fred, same page for sure. Well, and Melissa is on that page too, especially thinking about it as a career. She sent us a message on Facebook saying that it, it makes her crazy that you can go to school to be an architect or an engineer or a teacher or something. But if you study political science, there's this thought that you're just power hungry and you know you need to be kicked out of your position as soon as you start to get good at it. Uh, Monica also commented to say that there's a difference between a lifetime of experience, 25 years of experience, and one year repeated 24 times, Mm. which I thought was a great point also. And, you know, maybe it's just changing the way that we phrase the term. You know, we we say career politician. Maybe we just really mean complacent politician. You know, uh, does longevity equal complacency? And, you know, if it does, then if we can factually present that it does then that's one thing, um, you know, and, and there's ways of measuring that, I think. Vote attendance is one thing, uh, proposed legislation is another. So, you know, what are you doing with your time is, is not necessarily as important as how long you're there. That's a really good point, especially at the local level. So as I look at what state legislators do, you know, you can find a lot of bills to recognize Nana on her 35th anniversary teaching piano lessons, right? And there's nothing really wrong with that. But I think digging into both the quantity and the quality of what people are doing with their time is important to informing us as voters. And that's a point that a number of people, including my friend Dawn, make. A lot of this is about an informed electorate. And are we really trying with term limits to solve the problem of an electorate that's not adequately informed? And if that's what we're doing, that seems like a pretty half-baked solution to a really big and complex problem. Definitely. I mean, you know, an informed electorate is is necessary for making this engine go. Um, But when you, you know, when you start talking about, about that, you really open up a completely different can of worms into how people are getting their information, you know, what the media filtration system is. And, you know, I think we've all kind of seen this election cycle has given us a real good look into where uh, media priorities currently are in terms of at least the mainstream outlets. So uh, that can be tough. We also heard from Kiki who asked if term limits might diminish the quality of legislation being put forth. I I thought that was a really interesting question. My reaction is that it depends on how you define quality. So on the one hand, I think that a lack of experience could create a 
legislation happening where people don't have a lot of eye toward the consequences, like appreciating the full consequences of what's enacted. On the other hand, I think to the extent that it would create legislation that is simpler and that is targeted at specific issues instead of working in these huge kind of omnibus packages, I think that would be a really healthy consequence. I agree. (laughs) I don't have much to add. I agree. Yeah, I, I can't really find any way to contend with that. If you're looking for a very quick salon quality, but not salon priced manicure, Olive and June has you covered. We've talked about Olive and June's Manny system before. It has everything that you need for a professional manicure in one box, salon grade tools, your choice of six polishes. Those polishes are gonna last you for seven days or more. The cost breaks down to about $2 a manicure. Olive and June also has press-ons if you want. What I love though, is that Olive and June each season is coming out with new colors. And I just got a set of spring and summer colors in quick dry polish. And they say this dries in about a minute. It seemed dry to me in about 30 seconds. It was not kidding about being quick dry. I also love the light colors in this set. There is a huge range. My favorite one is called Kitten. It's like a pinkish gray. The quick dry polish gives you full coverage in one or two coats. It lasts for more than five days and it is offered in more than 40 cruelty-free and vegan polishes. Olive and June just understands what's happening in our lives, that we need to move quickly, but we want to look great and feel great and have fun in the process. Visit oliveandjune.com slash pantsuit for 20% off your first system. That's O-L-I-V-E-A-N-D-J-U-N-E dot com slash P-A-N-T-S-U-I-T for 20% off your first Manny system. Just finished A Court of Thorns and Roses and craving another fantasy world to devour? Dipsy's got you. Dive into spicy enemies to lovers' tales or embark on an epic romance between immortal fae and sworn foes. They've got fantasy romance stories perfect for your morning walk, late night, or long bath. Dipsy is an app full of short, spicy audio stories. They bring scenarios to life with immersive soundscapes and realistic characters. Discover stories about second chance romances, adventurous vacation flings, and hot and heavy hookups. And there's a growing library of fantasy series with werewolves, Greek gods and goddesses, Regency era historical fiction, and fairy smut to explore the bounds of your pleasure. New content is released every week. So in between listening to your favorite stories again and again, you can always find something new to explore. For listeners of the show, Dipsy is offering an extended 30-day free trial when you go to dipsystories.com slash pantsuit. That's 30 days of full access for free when you go to D-I-P-S-E-A stories.com slash pantsuit. Dipsystories.com slash pantsuit. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Can I get something off my chest? Every day I feel a little pang of sadness. Because I think about Griffin going away to college, y'all. He's a freshman in high school. This is not healthy or normal. This is why I have it on my list of things to talk to my therapist about. We all carry around these things, big and small. When we keep them bottled up, it can start to affect us. Therapy is a safe space to get these things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. If you're thinking about starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapist anytime for no additional charge. You gotta get it off your chest. And you can get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash pantsuit today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash pantsuit. 
Okay, so we will move on. The last comment about term limits that we got is from Brianna, who asked about what if we, about doing term limits in shifts. So you could only serve so many consecutive terms, then you would be able to take a break and come back if you were reelected. I wondered, Sarah, if that made you feel better about this conversation. I mean, not really, because I just, what would that solve? I'm not really sure what just, you know, making them take time off would really solve about that. I think it keeps people more connected, right? You don't lose complete touch with sort of the private sector or the or your state or community. Well, I mean, I guess my thing with that is always, like, I am the lone dissenter, I feel like, sometimes in this, that I don't think that Congress people, the issue is, like, they don't come home enough. If anything, I think our current polarized Congress goes home too much and doesn't have to, like, live in the same community with each other and working, live together. So I, I don't know if just taking time off and... You know, again, because I don't really think the problem in Congress is that they're disconnected from the everyman. Like, I don't really think that's the issue. I think a return to public service, if there's going to be an exit from public service, should be something that is uh, organic and not forced. Um, You know, I know he's not a member of Congress, but if you look at somebody like Jeb Bush, um, you know, who served as governor, governor of my state, um, you know, took a lengthy absence from public service and then decided to, you know, to run for president this year. Um, and, you know, I thought Jeb Bush ran a pretty sincere campaign. I thought he was running for the right reasons. And, you know, if people want to re-enter public service, uh, that should be a choice that they make on their own, I think. I don't, I don't think it should be a... I think an exit should be an exit and it shouldn't be something that somebody's ushered out and then encouraged to wait and come back in. Yeah, I agree. Well, so we will move on to the presidential race, but from an angle that we haven't really talked about before, several people sent to me specifically the balanced rebellion, super PAC viral video uh, that is in support of the Gary. How come nobody sent that to me? Well, we're all very confused about how you feel about third parties. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. That's rich. I think this I think this falls under people know you don't have any questions about this. I mean, it's not so. that I am a poll. I have I can be nuanced about third parties. You guys have really made a strong case. I actually do think about it pretty often and I think about I more often than not more often than I used to, I think. Man, Maybe the two parties don't offer enough options. I swear I do. Y'all are getting through to me slowly but surely. Still, but how are you going to keep getting through with me if nobody sends me the fancy videos? Just saying. Well, so let me describe this video a little bit. I was going to drop it in here, but it is so long. And it does kind of get on my nerves as it goes along. So let me tell you about it. There is a gentleman dressed as Abraham Lincoln. Very much a shtick. The idea behind it is really interesting, though. So if you take the argument that a vote for Gary Johnson is actually a vote for Hillary Clinton if you're a Republican or actually a vote for Donald Trump if you're a Democrat, what Balanced Rebellion does, it says, you know what, we'll solve that for you. We will link you with someone from the other party in your state so that your votes kind of cancel out. So if you're a Republican, you're going to be linked with a Democrat and you both agree to vote for Gary Johnson instead of the other party's candidates and you can feel guilt-free in the process. <laughs> yeah, so it's kind of, it's really fun, right? It's a really interesting idea. I wish that they would make a companion to this video that is more serious because 
This video makes good points, but it is a joke, right? And it's meant to be. It's meant to be funny and lighthearted. Dante, I don't know if you've seen it. I have not, so I, I can't really uh, I can't really weigh in on this topic, but I, it's definitely interesting, and I definitely plan to watch it now. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, we'll put it in the show notes. I really like the concept. I just am not one for approaching the presidential election with the same sort of vibe that we approach you know, cats doing crazy things. So if, you know, if you're going for someone like me, sort of the suburban college educated woman who is depending on the election, a soccer mom or security mom or whatever, I need this to have a little more gravitas. And I I especially think that's what Gary Johnson is lacking. So I'd love to see them put out another version of this that is consistent with sort of the seriousness of the idea behind it. But I, but I thought it was interesting and cool and we'll, uh, we'll share it. And I'd love to hear what the rest of you think. Well, also, I don't think that Gary Johnson's campaign has ever really been targeted for, um, you know, a voting, a voting block or a demographic such as, such as yourself, Beth, I think, Really, the Gary Johnson campaign has sort of been subsisting on either disenchanted Republicans or, and and to and to some extent, just Bernie Bernie Sanders runoff. I think a lot of people that felt that Bernie Sanders or felt cheated by the DNC, or you know, a lot of the I guess Bernie Bros as we've been calling them, although, you know, that's not a very nuanced term as we've come to find out in listening to the show. The Gary Johnson campaign has been targeting those people quite explicitly. And so maybe that sort of tongue in cheek, more viral video approach really isn't for you. Um, You know, maybe it's just geared towards a lot of the really young voters who are upset by the Bernie Sanders defeat and, and need somebody else to latch on to. Yeah, it's definitely not for me in terms of the targeting, but I think that the concept here has play way beyond those groups that you just described if they did it well. Sarah, I know how much you love sports, so why don't we talk about football next? But I do like sports stories, and I think this qualifies. So it's been all over the news this week that Colin Kaepernick did not stand during the national anthem at a... NFL game. And I guess I shouldn't be surprised by how much controversy this has generated, yet I still felt surprised. I mean, yeah. I think that it people are not surprisingly being wholly inconsistent with sort of how they treat his protest. You know, I read, I know we're not supposed to like sort of speak in memes and all that's not nuanced but i read a tweet today that said white people black people should protest peacefully black person sits quietly during national anthem white people no not like that <laughs> that's not what we meant basically <laughs> and that feels a little bit like what this is you know there's a, been a lot of talk about hypocrisy um in mm-hmm. this issue you know and and it, i think that stems from two places one i think it uh a because colin kaepernick is is adopted by white parents um but if you notice if you look at his statements carefully what he said in his post interview he never mentioned white people he was talking about america so he never he never explicitly says we are being oppressed by white people that might have been what he meant but a lot of people have taken it as such like oh look at look at what a white family gave you 
Um, I don't think that takes away your ability to speak your mind or protest. You know, another thing that people have been pointing to is his yearly salary, which is $19 million a year. Again, I don't think a, uh, I don't think a paycheck uh, takes your mind away. You know, we've got yeah, what a... what does that have to do with it? We've got a billionaire that stands up every other day in a different state and, and you know, rails about the ills of America. Um, yeah, I don't... I don't that's what president. really bothers me. That's what really bothers me. I mean, he's saying America's not great. Nobody cares. People are voting for him. But Colin's saying America's not great and people are, like, furious. You know, it's it's not my... It's not my way to protest, right? Like, I, that probably wouldn't be my first choice. But at the same time, it's a constitutionally protected right. Um, and, you know, how much he makes, being rich doesn't absolve you from the, the ills of the world. It doesn't absolve you from oppression. It doesn't absolve you from depression. It doesn't absolve you from having a thought, having an opinion, and taking a stance. And people saying, like, oh, well, you've got plenty of money you know, do something with it or or you can't have an opinion because somehow money makes all your problems go away is is really short sighted. And then, you know, also a lot of people equate not standing for the flag or, you know, these sort of grand gestures against these symbols of our nation as like some slight to the military. Again, if you listen to what Colin Kaepernick said in his post interview, he said he respects the military and he's got family members in the military and that he knows that they fight for the freedom that he just exercised. Yeah. There's a really cool Twitter campaign where it's like vets for Colin Kaepernick. Yeah. Vets for Kaepernick. And I really wish we, we would stop as, as like a news media and as a people sort of weaponizing veterans for, you know, for posturing it, you know, just, just because you serve doesn't mean that you lose your complexity as a human and giving this idea that just because somebody has served and they were part of the military that they have this like homogenous view of what America is what our constitutional rights are and how you can exercise them it makes me uncomfortable it makes me uncomfortable to speak about veterans that way because I know veterans and I know the complexity of thought that they have and the diversity of thought that they have and to say that if you sit during the national anthem that every single veteran is going to take it as a slap in the face is just, you know, it's a little bit short-sighted again. Sarah and I have talked many times about our desire to age as gracefully as possible and skincare is a huge piece of that. I spend a lot of time and money thinking about my skin and I have added ritual to my routine, which just gives me a lot of comfort. Ritual is here for us. They have created a wrinkle support skin supplement and conducted clinical studies, so we know it's working. They're taking the guesswork out of skincare. Ritual Hyacera is one of several Ritual products that I love. I take the daily multivitamin, I take a probiotic, and Hyacera is that once daily skincare supplement that is clinically proven to reduce wrinkles and fine lines and increase skin smoothness in 90 days. I recently met a friend for the first time in person as opposed to online. And we were discussing the fact that I am 43 and she said, I cannot believe how young you look. And I thought, thank you, Ritual, for that. Start Hyacera to help minimize wrinkles without compromising on clean science. Hyacera from Ritual is a clinically proven skin supplement you can actually trust. Get 25% off your first month for a limited time at ritual.com slash pantsuit. Start Ritual or add Hyacera to your subscription today. That's ritual.com slash pantsuit for 25% off.
there's not much worse than a dry energy scalp. Also, when you get your hair colored and then it does not last as long as you and your stylist discussed, it could be that unfiltered, mineral-filled water is the culprit. Hard water is a leading cause of damaged hair and dry, irritated skin, and about 85% of the United States uses hard water, filled with dissolved minerals and added chlorine. That's where Canopy's new filtered shower head comes in. Canopy, known for their beauty hacks and reimagined humidifier, has revolutionized the filtered shower head. Dermatologists recommended this unique three-stage filtration system greatly reduces contaminants and odors in your shower water, leaving you with healthy hair and glowing skin. Best of all, the Canopy filtered shower head is hassle-free. Installation is a breeze, and its unique quick-release filter replacement feature allows for seamless filter replacement unlike any others on the market. Go to getcanopy.co to save $25 on your Canopy filtered showerhead purchase today with Canopy's hassle-free filter subscription. Even better, our listeners can use code Pantsuit at checkout to save an additional 10% off your Canopy purchase. Hurry, your hair and skin will thank you. Do you want a bra that's sexy or a bra that's comfortable? Thanks to Third Love, you can have both. Third Love was started to take all the frustration, ick, and ugh out of bra shopping. That's why they make solutions for every bra problem, aka problems. Their bras make it easy to bring back perkiness you haven't seen since high school, get smoothing you know where, and have straps that actually stay put. Designed at their headquarters in San Francisco and made from premium materials, they put every style through hours of wear testing on real women, including themselves, before it's given the stamp of boob approval. Comfort and support are guaranteed. Plus, whether you're a double A cup or an H cup, their virtual fitting room will help you find your perfect fit fast. And they've even invented half cups. No more feeling stuck between two cup sizes that don't fit right. It's time to get your problems solved. Visit thirdlove.com and get 15% off your order with code PODCAST15. Lacking nuance for sure. Lacking tons of nuance. I think this is an example of one of the reasons that we started Pantsy Politics because I look at this story and wonder why we all feel like there are sides of it and that we have to pick one. This is this is an action of someone to make a statement. I don't know why that has to become a you are for or against it in our country. Like, I just I don't understand that. I think that you can look at this and say, well, here's a person who has a platform and he chose to use it this way. Maybe I would have done that or maybe I wouldn't have. But I don't I don't really need to get all wrapped up in. I don't have to make this mean layers and layers of things. And that's what I feel like we do about every story. We make it mean more than it means. I, you know, I'm, I've said on the show a million times, I am all about American exceptionalism. I love our national symbols. I love the way that when everyone stands together during the national anthem, you feel this sense of pride and connection despite all of our differences. Um, I was having a conversation with our listener, Andrew, about, about the importance of these symbols to our country. That said, like, this is some guy who plays football. I wouldn't know his name. I wouldn't But either. for this event, I don't have to make this mean something in my life. And that, that to me, is the takeaway. Like, we just need to settle down. Hmm. Sure, but is it but is it really patriotism if it's routine? You know what I mean? Like, it, it, is that a true exemplary act of patriotism to stand in unison 
for you know for the anthem or for the pledge again it's it wouldn't be my route to go but to me you know you can be a patriot and not stand for the anthem and still be the same person right and and it, it's one of those things where i think you know how you think what what you put into the country your care for the country and where you kind of uh choose to express your opinions and where you direct them and what you do as a human being to kind of follow through with those opinions that to me that's more patriotic than sort of like an obligatory stand totally agree i mean i feel about this like i feel about any ritual you know somebody who doesn't take communion isn't less christian or something right like any all of these rituals are um, beautiful and they have whatever meaning we individually ascribe to them and collectively they are important to our sense of community and that's obviously why he decided to make this challenge to the ritual, right? Because he knew he knew that would have meaning. I, I just don't know that it needs to spark a national debate. We've got plenty of things that require a national debate. And I thought The Atlantic had a really great piece about this story saying, look, this gesture might have failed only in that we're all debating his tactic, not the substance of what he was trying to communicate. Yeah. Totally. Kareem Abdul-Jabbar said something along the same lines where he said, you know, the failure as a nation is not that that, you know, somebody like Colin Kaepernick was inspired not to sit for the national anthem in front of, you know, X amount of people. It's that we haven't been inspired to fix the problems that Colin Kaepernick was sitting down for. And, you know, that's a paraphrase of what Kareem Abdul-Jabbar said, but I thought that was incredibly poignant. So I want to talk about Chris Christie for a second, which is not a sentence I expected to utter again after the things that have happened recently. Chris Christie has vetoed uh, legislation passed by New Jersey's Senate and House to increase the minimum wage in New Jersey over time to $15 an hour. And I assume, Sarah, that you have a perspective on this that perhaps differs from mine. So why don't you kick it off? I'm careful when I talk about the minimum wage because I've heard read a lot of economists and truthfully there's not a lot of agreement on the impact this you know the sort of the the economic or the science is not clear on um, what will happen but to me if we're not 100% positive shouldn't we err on the side of helping people have a living wage and make more money. I mean, it's not like we know that if you do this, you just lose tons of jobs. It's sort of unclear. And really, it seems to come down as a little bit of both. And so to me, if there's not an, you know, obvious negative economic impact, then people, you know, the minimum wage is lagging behind on a federal level and certainly on a state level. And also, I'm just not going to hear it from Chris Christie. It just doesn't, he has no, he has no moral feet to stand on anymore. But that's probably neither here nor there. Dante, what's your perspective on this one? So, you know, as somebody who who worked for minimum wage in the restaurant business for a long time before I started my writing career, um, I feel like this idea that food costs or the cost of food to the consumer and the cost of labor are sort of this uh, directly tied like zero sum game. Right. And, and they're not. You know, labor usually falls somewhere in the in the thirty uh, low thirty percentile for any for any food service industry like business. You know, whether it's groceries or restaurants, and 
you know, it, it's one of those things where if you're telling me that the dangling carrot is that we bring in a bunch of computers and automated systems to replace these workers if you raise the minimum wage, this is a business. So if you could do that, you'd be doing that. If, if it's a money-saving measure and, and you're basically saying, well, we've got the ability to do this, and if you raise minimum wage and we have to up our labor costs, then this is just going to be the natural progression of where we go. To me, that's not really a, a truthful thing because most of the costs are coming from food, food prep, stocking, and production. It's not necessarily the service part. So if you wiped out the cashiers at McDonald's, you'd still need people to prepare the food. You'd still need people to take inventory. You'd still need all this labor, right? So that's not really a viable solution. And some restaurants have, have dabbled with that. Uh, the Darden uh, family of restaurants, you know, Red Lobster, uh, Smoky Bones, Olive Garden, they've kind of started to dabble with these automated systems. But that's not cutting labor cost. That's just adding a, a, an experience for a diner to kind of pay for their meal and and get on with it. Restaurants really kind of can cut costs it are in spoilage and in food cost. And what we know is gas prices have dropped dramatically uh, and food, you know, from a distribution standpoint throughout the supply chain is cheaper to move, cheaper to grow than it was five, six years ago. And where is that cost getting passed down to the, that cost break getting passed down to the consumer? It's not. You know, when's the last time you went to a McDonald's and said, oh, my Big Mac's 50 cents cheaper? You know, I freelance right for a uh, trucking trade publication. So I talk to a lot of people that have a lot of experience in, in sort of like, logistics and dist distribution and supply chain management and they're telling me with you know the increased uh, regulations in in fuel efficiency and emissions and the new diagnostic engines that they have in trucks and the low cost of fuel their profits are better than they've been in in decades so that cost mm -hmm. is not getting passed down to the consumer so to me it's not you can't necessarily say if we cut if we up labor cost then all of a sudden food costs are going to rise. Food costs are still going to rise. But what you're seeing now is, is the competitive nature of like fast casual businesses and, and restaurants, and that's where most of this minimum wage debate kind of lies, is they're able to up their quality of ingredients because they're getting a back-end cost cut in distribution. So now Wendy's quality is our recipe. You know, McDonald's is bending over backwards to try and compete, you know, with with fast casuals like Chipotle and, you know, Chick-fil-A, which offer better quality ingredients. So to me, you know, the minimum wage thing, the, there's a lot more complexity to the way the way that um, cost is structured. And there's hidden costs to the business owner, too, right? If, if you up payroll or if you up pay, then you're going to have to up the match percentage of your Social Security tax. You're going to have to up the match percentage of your payroll tax. So there is hidden costs passed down to the business owner. But I think this is a complex issue that, you know, minimum wage workers can be job creators as well. You know, if, you, if you're giving people more disposable income that they can then throw, you know, put back into the economy, you're opening up the door for, you know, your, your business to grow just by having more money in the economy. 
and you can't cut labor and sustain more, you know, the same operating costs or growth, and you can't have your cake and eat it, eat it too. It's just not going to happen. But I do think that there's a measure that we can take of saying, you know, $15 is probably too high at a federal level, at a state level, um, even with even, you know, considering cost of living. But to me, you, you shoot for the moon and you land somewhere in the stars. And there, there's got to be a way that we can, you know, give businesses a path to not cut labor. And again, I, I think that's something that is a last resort for most businesses, right? You're going to find other ways. You cut marketing and advertising budget. You hold off on growth. You, you know, continue operating with um, you know, maybe substandard equipment or older equipment. It's really bad PR to say, well, rather than cut our marketing and advertising budget, we're going to lay off 5% of our labor force. That's just not something that companies are willing to do. So I think there's got to be a, a, an avenue to compromise on this. And, you know, it may not be $15 an hour, but we've got to give minimum wage workers a fighting chance because I've been side by side with them. I've been one of them. It's just, it's an uphill battle that, you know, you're never going to win. Um, so it's something I feel pretty strongly about, clearly. In our episode on the minimum wage, I feel like we didn't reach any real conclusions because there is a ton of complexity on this issue. What I've been thinking about a lot is the veto power. And at what point do you exercise the veto power, especially as a governor? I think that's a really interesting question. So if you take all the complexity that you just described, Dante, and consider the fact that you had, you know, two legislative chambers decide that this is the way to go, and we don't know exactly what work went into that discussion in New Jersey. Do you as the governor come in and say, look, I I think this is the wrong decision? Like, is that the right use of the veto power or not? And I think that's an interesting question to consider. You know, I don't know whether $15 makes sense in New Jersey. I don't know whether the amount of time they gave um, businesses to adjust to this made sense. I, I do think you need a pretty long ramp for businesses to prepare for a dramatic increase. Um, and I, I don't know exactly what the right ramp is, especially for the kinds of companies that this would primarily affect in New Jersey. But I am really interested in the question of the use of the veto power. And I think that's going to be even more interesting at the presidential level, no matter who wins in November. For sure. And, you know, something else that that we that we I think another dangling carrot for the opposition of minimum wage increase is that you know we think a lot of workers are a lot of these workers are just going to be you know teenage kids when we know in fact that the majority of, of minimum wage workers are women about 56% of them are women um, a majority of them are also over the age of 20 so you know these are these are adults and you know these are women that need chances to provide for their family better than they are right now. And like I said, I'm, I'm all for a ramp. I'm all for a plan. But I don't think the idea of this sharp increase, um, this sharp immediate increase, even like on a three-year level, which I think is what was proposed in New Jersey, is ever going to get, um, you know, bipartisan support. I just think it, it's got to be slower it's got to change, but it's got to be something that, you know, makes it beneficial for the workers and for the business owners as well. 
Yeah, there have to be win-win solutions to problems like this. And I, I don't think that what Chris Christie did was, was necessarily right or wrong. I think it just highlights the complexity of the issue. With that said, that we are going to wrap up today's episode. We had more to talk about, but we are running out of time. And so we will be back with you on Tuesday with another episode of Pansy Politics. Dante, welcome to the team. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you, guys. It's been an absolute pleasure, and I look forward to doing it some more. Um, if you guys want to get in touch with me, you can find me on Twitter at, at Dante Lima 115. Uh, you can email me at lima.dante at gmail.com. And hopefully I'll have a uh, Pantsuit Politics email that you can reach me at uh, shortly here. Yeah, it'll be Dante at PantsuitPoliticsShow.com. So you can follow us as always on Facebook and Twitter. Please check out PantsuitPoliticsShow.com. Lots of new content there, and we're hoping to keep that moving. Thank you to everyone who has shared content with us that we can put on the blog. Please continue to do that. And until we talk again on Tuesday, keep it nuanced, y'all. Bye.